0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cotchillo And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to this show, who are Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, and witch. And you can find her at MsAida.com, M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A.com. And this episode is also being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. You can find her at tarotbyginger.com. And Alan Questel, his new book is called Intentional Acts of Kindness. And you can find him at And yeah, I definitely recommend it. And now, without further ado, um, our guests or co-hosts or whatever you want to call this experimental episode um, are... Dave Emmons, author of three books, Jared Murphy, and we might still have one more person popping in. We will see. Thanks for coming on.
1: Great to be here. Yeah, nice to be here. <laughs> Jared, and you're, and you're, you're, you're a writer too, an author, and, and uh, Mark didn't go over that, huh?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, it's all right if I'm if I'm left unaccredited this time. It's oh. uh, Wait, I think I, the listener. I,
0: I, I assume that everybody knows Jared.
2: Oh. oh, well, there are many people who know Dave now.
0: No, uh, ja- yeah, Jared <laughs> Murphy, author of "It's Not Aliens." It's worse. It's us. It's us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I ran into both kinds. <laughs>
2: There's there's so many options. Uh, how many? Uh, it, you know, there, there's the question. We have such a bizarre history. It's so fun to look at Dave's background with Stonehenge, and you know they they found that core sample from the 50s. you Remember when that hit the news just a few months ago, Dave?
1: The core sample from where?
2: From Stonehenge that they oh. had taken back. Before anyone would tell anyone no. So, back in the 50s, they had done a core sample and they finally analyzed it to find that those uh, stones, many of them, many of those megaliths are actually made out of silicate, which is essentially undestructible. And the complexity is some of the nubs and the the way that those stones are built originally are so much more complex than just, uh, they're not just whittled handcrafted stones they're fairly complex uh i think pillars that are left from maybe a more complex structure and druids and loincloth leather flap wearing humans kind of picked them up and did their thing to them but then the jump is always it's either aliens like this saucer there uh helping poor ne- neanderthal struck humans to build complex things it's never that we had a complex past where we already had robots or we already had uh, a different chapter of human existence and that then there were fallen societies that adapted uh maybe larger ruins with megalithic ruins to their own purpose and then you know dynastically we look at that and we go yeah we've had one run at this no one thinks about history a hundred thousand years ago, or twenty-five thousand years ago, or the indications from Göbekli Tepe—not uh, not from primitive uh, rebuilds, but more like the megalithic bases of like Balbeck Lebanon, and the silicrete structures and the Stonehenge behind you. There's just a lot of indications that maybe we're not as awake as we used to be.
1: Yeah, it seems uh, there's a lot of science on that. Jared is popping out the, that core sample, and they've done a lot of work. I think they're dating this Stonehenge now to about, what, 20,000 years uh, B.C.?
2: Yeah, because how can Gobekli Tepe... When all the Tepe's, there's six Tepe's in, in Turkey that they've been dealing with. Klaus Schmidt started working on Gobekli. You know, he passed away from a, heart, a cardiac event uh, a couple of years ago. But he worked for 44 years on Gobekli Tepe, and it didn't really make the news. And it's so interesting to me. I was wrapping up my first book when they did... And they were talking about, well, you know, it's at least 24 to 36,000 years old. It's at least 10,000 years older than Stonehenge. And then the vernacular changed in the course of literally 20 months. You can almost screenshot it, how it went uh, so many years older than Stonehenge. But then it was so many years older than Younger Dryas or 12,000 years ago. And then it was Gobekli Tepe, 12,000 years old. And I started looking around going... How did you guys just go from saying there's carbon dating at Göbekli Tepe putting it at 24 to 36,000 years and that's just carbon dating from what you found within the wreck a little of a little bit you don't even have it excavated you have you have like 5% excavated
1: Yeah I but, saw
2: But right?
1: Yeah, I saw that on a documentary just last week about how many square miles I forget how much 120 miles Yeah, it's big. Yeah, it's huge complex with many teppies like you said. Jared.
2: Yeah. And, and, and we just we slap a label on it or jump to a conclusion that because there there's a, I remember growing up as a kid thinking, you know, in search of Leonard Nimoy and th- these were so mysterious. It was easy to paint a picture, I think, for us in our young primitive brains to go, oh, huh, yeah, aliens did it because, well, no human possibly had the technology to build like that if we were in the lineal story that they've told us, but we keep having all these dates and these things pushed back. And the story of us is way more complicated because the structures that we're, we're left looking at, they, they make sense if we had already risen once and fell, which right. no one can accept that, yeah. Yeah. you know, we,
1: we just came straight to cell phones. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, I think some experts experts, whatever, you know, uh, scientists are guessing that a lot of times they have to change every year, they got to change something and go back on their word. But I heard that 260,000 years ago, the Anunnaki actually developed Homo sapiens through DNA manipulation and they worked with that. Uh, that was 260,000 years ago. So, and then they, they're saying that we've been here and uh, this civilization, and I don't know if the human human civilization but there's been other civilizations six times before a great uh, apocalypse happened and destroyed all, all the life on the planet and they said that happened that's happened six times in the past uh millions of years i guess they're talking you, they changed their mind so much about how old everything is <laughs> we really don't know did you see the special on uh, uh, it was on pbs the other night no, not PBS on 56 on History Channel it was talking about the world's fairs, like in Paris oh, wow. and New York and also in St. Louis. They build those structures, those big church, magnificent structures for just a use during the world's fair and yeah. in two years. And then they tore them down and, you know, they made, I guess, rubbish out of them. But they were immaculate structures that were built. Uh, you know, they say the Dark Ages, they they built some bu- nice buildings back then. You were alluding to that a while ago, Jared, about that we were actually not getting smarter. We lost that smarts. Uh, and determination, just a general drive. We just don't seem to share it anymore.
2: It's, I don't want to say everything's were better when, but the reality is mm-hmm. that there's not a lot That's of can-do attitude.
0: I, I've always liked your theory about the human race sort of going into a sleep mode so we wouldn't destroy ourselves again.
2: Oh, yeah, I, I I kind of figured it's like a human safe mode. Just mm-hmm. just that we were once 100% conscious, and now we're not. And we have a lot of stories and analogies to help us get by, but at the same time, it's almost as if we're in a safe mode.
0: Well, I think we're coming out of it. Don't you think we're going to come out of it soon?
1: Oh. Uh, yeah, we're supposed to, what, they, what they're saying, the consciousness is rising right now, and, and we're going to be awake. Uh, before long, they call it awakening. Uh, Jared, I guess you were talking about not aliens as title of your your book. Uh, I guess uh, what I'm saying is that the aliens they intervened on on human, you know, you know, where well, they were making humans a DNA manipulation all throughout the last two hundred sixty thousand years, and different alien species uh, have been involved in that, at least four different species of aliens have been involved in, in tampering with our DNA and our and our forward progress. And you're saying not alien? Uh, are, are so you- the,
2: the, the premise of the title is that uh, we have physical evidence that dates back to the 1700s, and one of our... Um, I've had the opportunity to talk to Michael Cremo uh, now six, eight times, and I've read his book, uh, Forbidden Archaeology, and, it, and there are clear evidences of anatomically correct humans. Let's just start with the youngest. So I'll, I'll try to overview it quickly. And so I can explain it's not that there's not, for everyone out there listening, there are space traveling anthropologists. For everyone out there, there are aliens, there are space traveling anthropologists. But what we have in the human record and forbidden archaeology, there's a reason Michael Cremo was invited into the uh, Association of Archaeologists, the worldwide association, because if you, if they can't beat him, they made him join. And the reality is that uh, he systematically inspected, revisited, like the Red Crag in Europe, where you have anatomically correct humans being found in a layer of the earth, not intrusive burial, but for a fact, two to six million years old. Then there was examples of 20 million years old, 30 to 60 million years old, and, and the problem is, is that we talk in terms of tens of thousands of years or hundreds of thousands of years. And there's a lot of societal Western, um, f- what, what is really more of a philosophy than it is factually backed about the stories of humanity. And the facts are that the Red Crag to um, uh, mountains here in the United States show anatomically correct humans being uh, found in layers of the earth dating back to over 60 million years. And then you have that mysterious boot print that is at least 120 million years old. There have been other boot prints and, and footprints found. But, but I think the story of humanity is much older than the, than the stories that we've wanted to tell ourselves, especially uh, biblically or uh, and those are documentations that are just a couple thousand years old. And they're heavily manipulated and, um, they're heavily edited by the Catholic Church and the association, the associative like cultures that have been around that and Western society. Uh, if you look at Baalbek, Lebanon as an example, you have the trilithons, which are 1100 ton blocks as the base of the Temple of Jupiter, which is clearly not Roman or Greek. It's clearly not made in the Hellenistic period. The same size blocks are 60 feet below the surface, 45 to 60 feet below the surface of the Temple of Solomon. Uh, There's famous photos of these and people can go visit them, but they had no idea how deep, deep the Temple of Solomon went. And at the base uh, studied by even the Eau Claire, Wisconsin um, University of Eau Claire is trilithon type megalithic stones that are 897 to 1100 tons. And what we have is a series of building methods throughout the, not just in the Middle East, but throughout the world that show polygonal construction. So seismic, uh, they're, they're concerned with frequency and energy. And then my book, one of the things I talk about is Terra Preta, which is an engineered soil. And that engineered soil is found in Northern Africa, Southern Africa, South America, in Brazil. It's found all over the earth. And this is, this is like saying coca-cola it's the same beverage the same company i mean they tweak it for markets whether they make it out of sugar or whether they make it out of um, some artificial sweetener but the reality is that imagine finding not only a construction method but in this case terra preta which is an engineered soil it filters heavy metals it filters carbon dioxide it it as piezoelectric it has Electromagnetic frequencies for you to send and receive signals or electricity, but this soil itself replicates. It's been studied for a hundred years. We don't know how to make it, but yet it's on continents that we're not supposed to be connected. So if you if you just take a couple clues, and if we just talk one story, if we talk Anunnaki, if we talk uh, a, a very maybe a Western story that gives us this like clarity about oh this happened in the last couple hundred thousand years, yeah, but. If you take the bones of the 10 to 60 million year range of what we found, and then if you take the megalithic constructions, including the Silicrete uh, megaliths behind you, and Terra Preta, which has no addressing on the public stage, really, and you combine it with a society that may have been more conscious that was building with an Earth circuit, an Earth grid using Earth energy, really a much more Tesla understanding society, you could start putting down or you could extrapolate, I think, a complexity of a culture that with a little more consciousness was probably doing things that to us would seem superhuman or extraterrestrial. And the reality is that I don't think we have a clean picture or enough to jump to the conclusion that I think it would be really um, difficult to say that Maybe 50,000 or 100,000 years ago, you know, an alien came and said, you know, let's help you with this or help you with that. When right down to the math in the Babylonian Plimpton tablets and right down to the math in the YBC tablet, we're seeing complex, spherical-based math in writing in the Sumerian texts that show that that is probably also a hand-me-down of a global human society that may have already been space-traveling. May have already been manipulating genes, and we have these now myths, this mythology, that for all of you listening, my book is still worth
1: buying when it's out. But here's sounds, here's a lot of the premise. It sounds <laughs> really. You, what you're saying is really. I had never heard of this soil thing. I mean, that, that is new to me. Uh, you, you're you're doing some great research there, Jared. I tell you. I, um, oh, I
2: appreciate it. I mean, especially you're, yeah. you're one of the people out there that's – you're, you're, you're asking the damn questions. You're writing about it. I, I think it's so important that we all keep doing our work on it because no one – I think we're the few people out there, Dave. You, you, you and I and Gary and mm-hmm. there's, there's other research. There are people just not asking the questions.
0: Yeah, they don't question the old model of where we came from, our civilization, our DNA, our consciousness. It's all been wiped out. No, I, and I, I wonder no, why.
1: I agree that there that our societies, human societies before us, were very smart. They didn't need to consult an ET probably, and the no. ET maybe started this thing some thousands and thousands of years ago. But they built upon that intelligence. The, the, the human society. What about the giants? I mean, they said the giants could have moved some of these stones, like at Stonehenge, right there. Uh, they could have oh, well.
2: moved. But here's where it becomes a problem is that when you look at polygonal construction, you have 15, 20, up to 35, 37-sided stones that are perfectly connected together that clearly manage earthquakes and frequency energy. And the Nazca lines are another good example. I'm not talking about the spiders and the – it drives me – and again, I respect all the cultures and for the dynastic people that created spiders and monkeys and birds – Good for them, but the Nazca lines that are twenty-five kilometers straight—that I, I had the privilege of meeting Eric Von Danagan a few times. One of them, he talks specifically about the the composition, the chemical chemistry, just the what the Nazca lines were made out of. And to me, they're just like the believe they call them the Bolivian Nazca lines, and in Jordan there's Nazca lines, but these seem to be more like the remnants of what are Earth antennas. And if you look at a society that's building megalithic structures with the idea of so many miles in the ground and so many miles to the right that when there's an earthquake, it's going to create a certain frequency, a certain wave. And the constructions we build out of polygonal construction is going to cancel that earthquake, requires a level of technological progress that is so beyond just physical construction of the weight of the object It's the complexity of the sides and not just the size, but the content, including geopolymers. So ancient concretes, not Roman, but much more hardy and complex materials. And the boring, even Flinders Petrie, when he was doing his initial work in Egypt, was he was perplexed and and made a point to note, why are there core drills that are showing like Christopher Dunn's work, you know, you have the lost technologies of ancient Egypt where you have clear indication that the boring of what go on for many feet through megalithic stones, the boring of uh, at, at drill speeds that we don't currently have right now and the depths by which you, you have a society that's building with piping and drainage. A lot of people don't know that in the Nazca lines that there's actually drains uh, it's the driest place on Earth. They already knew building those maybe frequency antenna-based uh, flat, you know, the the, chemi- the chemistry of the ground and, and making these uh, Earth antennas. Perhaps they're already working off-world, and that technology there in Peru was built in an area that's so dry. But when it does rain, they needed to drain the water. And what a lot of people don't discuss or know even is that at the Nazca Lines, there are they are actual a plumbed draining system. whoever built that, and whoever built these megalithic structures and used these me- and these stones with the shapes, it's not just a quantitative uh weight issue, it's a complexity of design and when we when we add all these it's a giant archaeological game of clues, so if we add all of it together it it doesn't add up to. Boy, we were kind of stupid once and we got some alien help. It it, it, it just doesn't it doesn't go into the nice. global design efforts. Also, there's indications, for instance, the sequoia. Let's take biological networks like fungal and bacterial networks that are vast, beyond Pando, the what's considered the largest living organism above ground is a forest that was once 80,000, it looked like birch trees, but it's actually one living entity called Pando. And Pando has been dying, but it's still thousands of sprouted trees, but it's underground. There's Peter Wolholland's work about the secret life of trees. And it shows that trees keep stumps alive. They communicate, they release uh, chemicals in the air to let one end of a forest to know what kind of a bug is going on. But this is just, I think, an indication of ancient biotechnology that is run amok of biosystems that aren't programmed and managed anymore. So what to us looks like a natural world, I think on each column, whether it's biological or physical down to megalithic stones, uh, there may have been a reason to program giant people or little people like the moonite people, the ant people, the leprechauns for what we know of as the little people. Um, all of it indicates a time where whether your size was big or small, or you were using a hundred percent of your brain or not. I think we're talking about a technology that if what forbidden archaeology shows is tens of millions of years of human history, that I think is terrifying to consider that we have no eyes or thoughts or yeah. I, I'm I real love, doom and gloom. Yeah, tonight.
1: yeah. I love your perspective, uh, Jared. I really do. I mean, it's- I went into this thing, I guess, five or six years ago. All my life, I've been in, in the ET involvement thing. And I've seen ETs and I've seen craft, uh, not of this world. But also, yeah. I, I go back in time. I'm curious. And like they're saying 4.5 billion years ago, our DNA is older than the earth. So we've had to come from somewhere else. Right. Yeah. They planted this here from somewhere else, yeah. and 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 the people are their societies, ancient societies, way back. They knew how to manipulate energy and frequencies. Now the big word with scientists is frequencies. They can move big stones, you know, with frequencies. Cymatics. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. See, my,
0: my thing is like one reason I always, you know, also think like, like like with Jared that we go back. You know, somebody's the the, the structures that we're finding too. I think one of the reasons we we overlooked is because we think of technology in a mechanical way. I think they probably thought of technology from an organic perspective and from a perspective of consciousness. And, 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 you know, like it was like, it wasn't mechanical. Their, their thinking is organic and, and and spiritual in matter. And I think that's what, and I think that's what we had at one point. And, you know, obviously something happened. (laughs)
2: well it it broke down eventually you know you have have druids and you you have sorcerers and witches and and what doesn't when you touch a cell phone or you touch a glass screen and it changes i mean the reality is that a, a technology that was once integrated into you as a biology would look like mystical powers it would look like wizards and and gods and fill in the blank but it wouldn't be understood. I mean, if we knocked if we knocked ourselves off the planet more than once, or if we had external threats. I mean, if it didn't come from within this planet, if we if we disintegrated because of um, a combination of things, if it wasn't if it was external from the planet, alien in nature, and hmm. and if it was a perfect storm of something, a local, you know, a, was it flipping the poles? Was it was it something with, continentally within the structure of the planet where we were we not managing it.
1: What do you what do you think about the I mean we talk about giants. What do you think about the nephilim, Jared? Do you think they're still around? I've heard rumors that the the government has nephilim underground and they work with them. And this is crazy. A lot of conspiracies come out and I don't believe all of them. I'm not that gullible, but I I am looking no. at things in a in a rational manner, you know. I'm trying to Well, there are some pretty great works
2: um, I've been able to interview a few authors and some people who are experts on on those histories Maybe and me too. S- Sitchin's work is completely and mostly. And this is this I feel like there's a cycle to all of our educations in this. And this is for anyone listening, if you're just learning about the Nephilim, if you're just learning about um, anything to do with the Anunnaki, uh, it, it it was the road that I went down to. But when you start digging, Sitchin's work is a complete fraud. And, heard that. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and And what's terrible about it is that when you're excited and you're new and into the field, you start learning about it. And you're like, oh, yeah, and the Anunnaki did this and Enki did that. And, and it's like, that's all dynastic. First off, it's all dynastic history. So let's start with what we know that are facts, forbidden archaeology. Forbidden archaeology is so important because it's not what Cremo thinks. It's Cremo revisiting actual archaeologists that were in the field and went, oh, human bones that are 6 million years old, human skulls that are 25, 20 million years old, uh, more human indication that are 60 million years old. Okay, so right away we know we have factual evidence around the world of humanity living way beyond dynastic histories. Mm -hmm. But secondly... uh, Sitchin did us such a disservice in the sense that it got people on one hand excited and and imaginative about, oh, our history is not what we've been told. But what he did was the majority of it was cylinder seals. So in breaking down, and I've done a whole podcast about this with my friend Jennifer Deo, the archaeologist. We've gone into this in detail. You can find it on my YouTube channel on Not aliens But the, the reality is that Sitchin took cylinder seals and wrote stories that never happened there was no translations and of the cuneiform there's tens of thousands of cuneiform tablets that have not been uh, you know translated but of what's been translated there is no documentation of all the dumb crap that guy got a lot of people to believe oh, he what? just wrote it mm-hmm. And so the problem is that depending on where you are in your research, you know I'll have interviews and they'll be super excited, uh, people interested. They're they're going down their own research, uh, they're running their own train, and they they do exactly what I've done, you've done, I think we've all done, which is we learn the entire history of the Anunnaki, we learn the entire history of the Sumerians, and we're like, that makes perfect sense. It does until you learn the rest of the actual facts, and no. then when you start looking at Sitchin sourcing. And and I we could spend a whole show on it. We could spend hours on it, but the short for me is to just tell everyone, do your own research. But the reality is that nothing with the story of the Anunnaki of the Sumerians, the way Sitchin is it's now become part of this like um train of misinformation, unfortunately. But it did not happen the way Sitchin said. There's no, no-
1: he, he decoded the yeah. language, didn't he? He said he did. He decoded the, uh, the Sumerian language.
2: What I, what I, what I like about Sitchin is that outside of his book, there's no evidence of any of the cuneiform tablets that he's referencing existing. <laughs> so there, there's a problem right there. There's a lot of layers of the problems, but then the smoke and mirrors of it, the fog of war, is that it keeps. I think what Gary is saying is true: is that we are in the stage of safe mode. In that, uh, although we're rising in collective consciousness, which is not something, whether intentional through uh, here's the thing: is it a subgovernment keeping us all down, or is it an individual, or is it an individual organization? I mean, whatever the whatever the other plot is to this, the 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 reality is that there is a uh, obvious confusion. To, to discerning your own instincts and gut feelings of history, when you have stories out there that are still now so ingrained, it it puts you into a whole. You could spend months or years digressing down these stories and not ever looking at the facts that we have, like some of the things we talked about or that I mentioned
1: tonight. What they're just the biblical, Jared. What about the biblical stories we hear? I was going to the giants, but I David and Goliath that story in the Bible. That yeah. can be older than what they say. the The Bible is a good geographical book, but the stories in it can be interpreted in so many ways. And I, I, I know this from going to a lot of churches and, and listening to the uh, same thing. You know? uh, so it's it's not it's not history like we know it. It's really no.
2: Not I, history. I, I grew up severely Catholic, and so let me tell you, as a if, as if once you you're Catholic, you're Catholic for life. Right. But uh, I can tell you that uh, for anyone wondering about any of this also, just ask yourself, when you read a book, there's a publisher and there's an editor or there's multiple editors and there's uh, a trail of people for every story. When it comes to the Bible, uh, the Septuagint, the council, the the history of the creation of what we call the Bible is a series of documentations that are not in their whole true and pure and single in origin or form. They are a collection of things that were put together by a power that is called the Catholic church to create an organized system, which became one of the most successful systems in the world to uh, maintain power and And control. control. Um, For the longest time, it was in Latin because no one can argue with you if they can't understand what the hell they're saying.
1: You no, know, the, the King James version—they made it in English in the, in, in Europe—and he did that. He had that book published yeah. without because he wanted the the peons out there to read it and feel like they're sinful if they steal his gold. They were stealing his gold from his wagons that were coming in, and the peons—you know—whatever the, they would steal from him. So he had this Bible put out there to make them feel bad. You know, yeah, fear, well, fear God. You know, you're you're sinning. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you,
2: you know, the King James Bible is there. Of course, the one thing that I, I did appreciate, at least when I was in school, is that they they had you cover the divine right of kings. And the whole point of that Bible was to justify his rule and to, uh, you know, among these other sub benefits, because he, he, you know, one, you understand why you're a bad person, why you should follow the king, why the king can justify his divine rights as king and you don't have to listen to the Catholic church. Uh, there was a number of reasons to write this. So here we have, that's just one of many dynastic, which is period, the last couple thousand years of our history being told to us that this is what you will believe yeah. about our history. I, you know, is- I
0: think that's one of the things that really fucked up our thinking too, is that whole hierarchical type of thought process rather yeah. than interrelational relational type of model thinking. It screwed yeah. us up big it's, time in evolution. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which heard, t- heard David story? Uh, yeah, the, Jared. I heard this story like 260,000 years ago. The Anunnaki, who were aliens, ETs, they developed high priest people that would be their spe- their spokespeople for the people, the humans, because the aliens didn't want to directly deal with the humans. So they had they developed uh, these men or these women or whatever would be high priestesses or high priest to communicate. You know, the, with the humans, the aliens would delegate or puppet these these uh, high priests and the high priests would follow what they wanted them to do with the people. So they they had them under control that way. But the E.T. didn't want anything to do with them. But, yeah, I what do you believe that right now, uh, Dar- uh, Jerry? I'm I'm really you're fascinating. I'm <laughs> learning a lot of stuff from you from the <laughs> historical point of view. See, I cover one well, side. So the, so for everyone listening,
2: when it comes to Anunnaki and when it comes to that histories, just remember to look for, oh, can you still hear?
0: Nah, I lost you for a
1: minute. Uh, Rose up. Yeah. Having audio problems. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. There he is. He's back. There he is.
2: I'm still here. Yes, no, you're, you're back. You froze up. Okay. You, froze
0: up. you were Sorry. gone for a minute. Uh,
1: yeah, the Matrix. Uh, it was the an
2: Anunnaki. Yeah. Uh, so look, when it comes to Anunnaki, remember: if you cannot ask someone for a cuneiform tablet that it was translated from, you're dealing with sitchin garbage, and there's no all, all the history is there's no history. But but what
0: is. if what if the tablet that he tablet that he translated were never in physical form, but only existed in the astral plane. (laughs) Well, I mean, a lot of people have said like that type of thing, like Madame Blavatsky with the Book of Zion, um, and and, that's Joseph Smith. Tons of other books.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's called the Book of Mormon. Yeah.
0: No, he got Uh, that from it.
2: Angels (laughs) came, but so again, remember, everybody read Forbidden Archaeology. I think. I think it's not it's not a belief system it's here are factual examples of archaeological finds showing anatomical humans going back 20 30 40 50 60 plus million years old and if you cannot reconcile that history with the other technologies that you are staring at in the ground the these these dynastic stories are primitive they're young and they do not explain the existence of even the genetic abilities that are stored in humanity and and how they may have plugged into these physical technologies so if i'm not cutting out and and dave's question was what do i believe now um gary and i have talked about this a bunch and what if not a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand years ago what if we're dealing with a worldwide human society that reached a point where they did leave the planet and things that we may or may not have proof of, like the Black Knight satellite. Uh, Eric von Danigan and I had a conversation privately, and I, I'm saying it because everyone should know where it came from. And Eric has a lot of access to information that, you know, probably you two, Dave. I mean, Gary, we get uh, some crazy. Dr. Richard Allen Miller, we get, <laughs> we've gotten, we've had the privilege of accessing really. Uh, brilliant people, but people who have had personal experiences with uh, whether it's archeological or scientific, that they have access to things that are not, they don't care about being killed anymore. And they apparently are willing to share with us what, you know, what's out there. And I think the greater picture shows that perhaps humans already evolved beyond this planet, left the planet, left satellites in orbit that are non-functioning or we might identify as A chunk of rock or something, but in reality, are complex bioorganic systems. And we may have left, gone to Mars, failed on Mars, or had a conflict between here and Mars and every other planet. And we may have left this system, founded other locations, on occasion, come back here. So it's worse than aliens, in my opinion. It's not that there's not aliens, but it's not aliens. Worse, it's us discovering our lost history. In discovering our lost history. I believe that maybe what we identify, I think one of the most biggest nightmares we may have is that these aliens that we're seeing now, they could have easily bio changed uh, what we would what we what we see as human. And it's not that they're more, yeah, they're different. They may have changed their appearance. Doesn't mean that they're better than us. Doesn't mean that they're different than us. It just may mean that the biotechnologies. The physical technologies, the external technologies, and what we identify as foreign entities, we might be talking about the same thing. A lot of what we might be looking at are not aliens, but they are us, and they are us from the past who have gone out into this universe, into this galaxy, into other systems. You could say it's dimensional, maybe, but the reality is that we don't have enough uh, line of sight on our past to, to, to really discern for us without one of them sitting down with Oprah and going, yeah, no, I'm a straight up alien. I'm not a modified human. I'm not, I'm not your great, 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 great times 10,000 grandfather. We, we don't have that answer. And, and we, I think keep blurring our ability to discern what our questions or what are, we're not able to gather ourselves because we only select data. You know, you, I I Cremo said this is that archaeologists always find what they're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> they never find anything else, but they find yeah. what they're looking for.
1: Jared, you, you, you're talking time travel here or portals. I've heard that the the underground military and the scientists that keep all this technology away from us are already traveling out there to other planets and having even warfare. Uh, well is I think conspiracy.
0: one one first you have to believe in time. I mean there's really no evidence that time actually exists. Oh, interesting.
2: Uh, and well no, Jim, I, mean, we have,
0: I, mean, I mean even gravity like, like we measure time well, and everything else from what we know from Einstein, right? The, the theory of relativity. Well, but I mean but that, that we, relies on gravity and we don't even know what gravity is.
2: No, and quantum mechanics has really blown all that all out of the water and Schrodinger and Mm-hmm. And the research in that—I I mean, I, I mean—I'm uh, going to go with Ken Wheeler's opinion of—well, uh, uh, no—the reminding opinion of what Tesla thought of Einstein, which was he's a fuzzy-haired.
1: <laughs> you froze up again. <laughs> he's, somebody's freezing you up. They don't want you to talk.
0: <laughs>
1: Jared, you froze up again. Uh, we lost You're you. Bad.
0: Einstein was a fuzzy-haired. <laughs> Yeah. crockpot he called Tesla called
2: Einstein a fuzzied hair crackpot but and,
1: uh, but uh, Tesla was screwed over by people like Edison and uh, Einstein <laughs> oh know? totally yeah, yeah. Totally. And he, they were because they were more politically correct than uh, Tesla was
2: yeah no there's so- solid evidence that our our historys not what we're told and to bring in my good friend Jim Goodall um, he he, he wrote, you know, he knows a lot of the CEOs and the people that have been at Lockheed uh, Martin and not just a world's expert on the you know, the Blackbird and the spy planes, but Skunk Works itself. And for everything that's top secret and for what Skunk Works has been involved with uh, beyond the Blackbird and what Lockheed does, uh, Goodall asked um, one of the former CEOs, you know, you do know, you guys use it? You know, he's straight up. He has no filter. He just... He goes, do you guys use, good, you use alien technology? And he said, nah, to the best of my knowledge, we don't. Now, he could be lying, but then he said something very interesting and Goodall has said this on the air many times, so I'm not saying anything new. I'm not saying anything for the first time, but Goodall has made it clear that you have the CEO at the time, and it doesn't matter which one, right? But You have the CEO of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works looking at Goodall and says, Goodall, if you can imagine it, we're 50 years beyond that. Mm -hmm. We've already done it. It's just a question of cost and whether or not it's economical for us to do it. But we're 50 years beyond anything you can imagine. And Goodall will usually stop in an interview and he'll say to you, you, you know what I can imagine. I mean, he's written 29 books. But as far as Imagine goes, he's right where we are with creativity. And he's like, you're 50 years beyond that. So he also said, this is the CEO saying, we have the ability to bring E.T. home right no. now. And this was 20 years ago. He said, we have the ability to bring E.T. home. So what's the secret, what's the secret layer of government really doing or... How much uh, do we need to know? I think what's critical about it is in our history in that we have a frequency energy biotechnology human past that was building structures to not only withstand earthquakes, but to maybe even communicate and function as, uh, you, you know, an entire worldwide grid that may have had uh a human uh, collective consciousness layer and abilities now that we think as as freak abilities like synesthesias things that we think as mutations or second sight that we that that we've known about since the roman times second sight was a known ability but w- this human race that we are today is really just a safe moded version of i think a much more functional one that clearly was able to get off the planet, was clearly be able to manipulate their genes and biotechnology that we think now is hacking. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that this, this, this thing that we look externally and say, oh, that's an alien, or they're from another world. Well, that's what it looks like now because we don't have the comprehensive tools to understand or, or, or in safe mode at 10% consciousness and not 100%. we are not discerning the creatures we're looking at as being our relatives or our past, uh, you know, human dwellers. We're looking at them as aliens. And again, there are aliens. There's no way this whole galaxy and universe is not occupied
1: by but, other but you, things. Jared, I was thinking about a, a point that about when the ET, so here's what, what I've been hearing in some of my research. And I know I, I'm glad to hear the opposite side of what you have to say, archeologically and historical. Uh, but, uh, they made us. They when they when they created our DNA, they didn't make us smart because they wanted to control us. They wanted us well, to be workers. Uh, it, well, I'm, Dave, what's the uh, what? I, I have to ask you what again
2: is a, is the source material for this? The Anunnaki? You stitching back,
1: stuff? Yeah, not not the Anunnaki in particular, but other. There's up, been four other alien races that have been inter, you know intertwined in our DNA manipulation. I can't say for sure. And this thing about the uh, Anunnaki, I'm afraid to bring it up to you.
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's a common, it's a common.
1: It. No. Well,
2: it's, it's common, but there's a the thing is that it only goes back to Sitchin and we only have so many cuneiform tablets. And so this entire imagination, I think when I was a kid and in the seventies and in search of, and you don't really have the internet and you can't really follow up with anyone. If you don't double check your information it's easy to go with Sitchin and all these stories about the Anunnaki because they're good stories, mm. and they're but they're very they're they're just not accurate. There's there's just no cuneiform. There's nothing that so, backs.
0: He, here's my problem with Sitchin's work, okay. And, that, and for me, this is pretty pretty obvious. There's there's two things actually. One is if these extraterrestrials came here and created us to be slaves. I would think if already, if they were intelligent enough to get here, they wouldn't need slaves. <laughs> it's just that oh. simple. If, if you're smart enough to travel across the universe, travel across time, able Amen. to manipulate DNA, create whatever you want, ever. I mean, I think slaves would be like the, the, build, the build stone structure. would probably be like one of the least things I would be doing if I was that extraterrestrial. You, what, and, and then the other it, thing that, that that gets me to is our bipedalism. A bipedalism doesn't seem to be the natural evolution of this planet. You know, I mean, if I'm an extraterrestrial and I want to create something to live on this planet, I'm probably not going to make it bipedal because everything else on this planet walks on four legs. Yeah. Uh.
2: Well, you're saying interdimensional space traveling subatomic quantum controlling aliens need to create human slaves because they don't know how to do shit once they get here from across the universe i'm saying that Gary, doesn't
0: make sense a great point yeah <laughs> when they can, when <laughs> they can move giant
1: talking. stones when they can move giant stones with the frequency and lift them like you like you were talking about uh, jared under those under the columns of i guess solomon's temple was you said it's deep do you think the Ark of the Covenant is there? And what was the Ark of the Covenant?
2: I think it's an... I, I think as we digressed... Okay, so there's plating technologies that are one nano... Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're literally one... They're, the thickness of some of the electromagnetic plating from gold and uh, artifacts that are a period in the last 2,000 years, like the Baghdad battery... There were multiple batteries found. But I think that all the plating technologies, the Ark of the Covenant, these are either actual artifacts, like Von Danigan's whole charity of the gods is about why was it that they were wearing the special rubber suits or rubber gloves, or they wouldn't say rubber, but they were wearing the special gloves and the special suits to handle the Ark of the Covenant. And if they don't, they look like they have radiation sickness. The reality is that I think there was elements of our high advanced paths that digress slower, like the Antikythera device tablets, like the, like the, A, the YBC tablet and the, and the Plimpton uh, three, uh, you know, the Plimpton tablet with, with again, the trigonometry and everything that's on with the spherical based math on the YBC. So the Ark of the covenant is, well, one, you have the biblical uh, story of it, which is uh, all within the storytelling of that religion. Then you have the reality is um, possibly was there some sort of ancient high-tech device that, as Eric Von Danagen states in all of his books, is it a piece of ancient technology left here? And his conclusion is, well, it must be alien. Well, not when there's millions and millions of years of human history and the clear indication that maybe bio and physical technology Work together once in a way that we don't. Comp- we're starting to comprehend, but I don't think the Ark of the Covenant was a device created by what we think of as a biblical. That the biblical stories of Christianity are what they are. It, it was a new religion, but it doesn't fall in line with Göbekli Tepe, with the stones behind you at Stonehenge, with the giant megalithic blocks at Baalbek and at the Temple of Solomon. These are foundational structures. That predate the societies we know that may go back 50, 100, or 200,000 years and, and, and point to a human society that we have no eyes on, no understanding of. And, and, and until we stop telling ourselves stories about the Anunnaki and, or religion that we know of in the Western Hemisphere and start dealing with these tens of millions of years old, actual anatomically correct humans... And things like terra preta where you have all over the earth an engineered soil and someone built it, someone made it, it was man-made. And then we have to deal with what's underwater because 50,000 years ago, the I coastlines have, I have don't a look like they are question about
0: the, ter- the, the engineered toil- soil, the terra preta. Oh, I'm like no do, do you think that that existed or was created at a time when, when the continents were together and it was a Pangea?
2: You know, you gotta wonder because if if you have, you know, even though we have bones, it's it's an exception to become a fossil, not the law. It's an exception to become a fossil is really lucky. So if we have human remains and we have boot prints, very famous. Now, uh, now wait a minute, I'm,
1: I'm I'm old enough to be a fossil.
2: <laughs> you know, you're don't. as old as you
1: look,
0: and you're not a fossil. You do
1: not look old. <laughs> that's, that's what I told a, a, a jewelry store worker. I was looking at watches and, uh, and uh, I, I was looking at the fossils. She said, Oh, yeah, the, the fossil will fit you. I said, Well, thanks. I guess I'm, you're calling me a fossil, huh? Yeah, you know, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, joke, joke. But uh, for, You're talking hey, about the Black Knight. It's out there going around, uh, Jared. Uh, do you know Dr. Robert Scheib? You ever heard of his studies?
0: Yes, no. I've interviewed him.
1: Yeah, you know, you know about the little dragons then? Yeah. Yeah, that uh, he's got uh, videos of and very convincing. And uh, they're, little, they're, about, they're only about an inch, two inches long, but then they're supposed to stretch out when they work. They're actually supposed to be like little drones that tell the UFO, the larger UFOs, the craft, they're, they're, they're kind of like drones that go out there and, and they're scouts. They scout out other crafts and other things going on around the world, and they fly up real quick, 1,200 miles an hour. You can't see them. They fly close to every airplane, every helicopter that comes within 150 feet of the ground. And it's usually in the California coast uh, where Dr. Scheip has done all this. Uh, and they're their little... And actually, Yuri Geller. I think some of that one. stuff
0: is ours, though. You know, the stuff that that he's catching, like a lot of the stuff that like, seems like it's being mechanical, run by, by in a mechanical type of way. I think is ours because I think the extraterrestrials are beyond mechanical Newtonian physics.
2: Yeah, I I think that's a huge point, Gary. What you brought up was just that. If you're, and I've said it in interviews, if you're a space-traveling, sub-quantum-controlling, interdimensional or inter intergalactical space-traveling creature, you do not, and you can create anything out of an atom. You know, you you, you understand spintronics. Yeah. You understand yeah. and, I'm not, and I'm not
0: discrediting about, his evidence either. I mean, he, he does have evidence. I'm just not saying, I'm saying it's not what he's saying.
2: No, and granted, not every alien is up to the same thing. But again, if you're dealing with, Uh, quantum mechanics, if you're dealing with it at the level that it would take to travel from uh, galaxy to galaxy or star system to star system, the reality is you're dealing with technologies from uh, again, the singularity is near I I point to Ray Kurzweil's work uh, from 2008 pointing about what you can do with nanofactories in 2008 they already had nanofactories that were only 54 to 140 uh, atoms in size and they could produce nano machines that were that small that could enter a singular cell uh they were wi-fi controlled this is 2008 this was known uh ray kurtzwell is considered a, a modern leonardo da vinci he at the time in 2008 he held over 200 patents and the singularity is near is to explain to humanity how important uh what nanotechnology represents in being able to control uh, a single electron, a single proton. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a space-traveling alien race, you do not need slaves. But you do if you're just dealing with Zachary Sitchin. You do right. if you know if you have a 1970s grasp on flying saucers and technology, you, you don't have to know everything about quantum mechanics, but you do need to know that when you can create nanofactories that can produce other things, mm-hmm right out of the atoms in the air. It's gonna look like magic. It's gonna look like religion. It's gonna look like aliens. It's gonna look like but at no point if your story checklist starts with aliens needed monkey slaves.
1: No. Okay, let's let's go back into this alien thing. There's I I heard there's four alien races working with our government alone. And they're they're exchanging technologies. But can you guys, Mark, Jared, agree to this that Maybe not all these alien e t races that are coming here are all advanced at the same level they could be they could be technologically not as advanced as others is, is gary Gary this is all on you
0: I think that there might be <clears throat> other races of intelligent beings on this planet that have been here all along. Mm-hmm. They've been here longer than we have. And um and they've just been letting us do our thing, you know. But I don't <clears throat> I think but I still think that, that even those beings though are, are are beyond the antics that people accuse yeah. aliens of. And I also think that as far as the government goes, the government is fully one hundred percent aware that all this is an illusion. Yeah. I think they you know that they know that that there's no such thing as even physical matter. They know <clears throat> that at its core, it is just some type of consciousness. It's information. Everything is nothing but information. And the government knows that. And how I think they know they know that is because of the remote viewing program. When that's uh, where I, you know, I come in, you know, took like that remote viewing class with with Morehouse and stuff like that. Like that kind of experience proved to me that that their time isn't real, you know, that matter isn't real, and that everything is sort of just a bunch of it's information and probabilities, or not even probabilities, it's possibility.
1: Right. I, I think that the different alien races that come here to vacation, there's there's so many of them out there. And, and Jared, you alluded to that, that there's so much life out there, trillions of planets out there that, that have life. Some of them may not be as even, you know, Knowledgeable as we are at this point, at what point do we converge with consciousness and intelligence to return to the old civilization that we used to be and that used to be highly intelligent? Uh, at what point does that happen? Is the Bible calls it a rapture, the people that, you know, go up and they, hmm. they go to another dimension. <laughs> and what I'm looking at is where does our society meet that? break that through that ceiling and with consciousness. I think, I we're, I think we're doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. We're moving on that. Yeah. I heard in 2012, I had some gal who was very mysterious, but she knew something about, she said in 2012, there was a change.
0: Yes. Some kind of a, I agree some, with that. A,
1: yeah. And that we have already left, but we're still, we got doubles or we're, you know, we're here. We started over again <laughs> after 2012, the Mayan calendar. This is, this is crazy. I mean, we're getting into the matrix and holograms. I saw an ET hologram in my bedroom. It was about a five foot seven uh, reptilian being, and he was holographic. And I woke up, and I looked over, and I saw this thing, and it, it looked at me, and I thought it looked like a snake, and it scared the heck out of me. So I jumped out of the bed, and, I, and it disappeared. It went away. Yeah, but he, uh, whatever it was, it appeared holographically in my room. Right. And uh,
0: and what is a hologram? It's information. Yeah. Mm Yeah. So so it all has to be possible.
1: Yeah. And teleportation, you know, they they do that too. It is fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) I think (laughs) I think I'm talking below Jared. There's knowledge here. Yeah. Not above, but, a, but no. Not above. No. But below.
2: no, no, no. Now, Dave, let's not. Don't throw yourself under the steamroller. Okay. The the, the uh, So Gary and I have talked a bit about uh, some of the work that they've done with genetic memory. And one of the things they proved a few years ago was that scientifically they, they finally proved that a particular kind of worm could actually pass the mother's memories to the child, they proved it. Now, we call it instincts or we'll have a hunch on something and are all creatures have a instincts, right? But we never really think of the idea that what if all of us, what if some of the stories of the Bible, what if some of the things about reincarnation and that religion in reference to reincarnation, what if all of it has slivers of truths that, really just date back to a mm-hmm. technology, a period of time where maybe the three of us are all talking, but in the in in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of years in the past, we were a society where if we were struck by a meteor tomorrow, um, something described by Ray Kurzweil's work, The Singularity is Near, what if we were backed up? What if the idea of reincarnation isn't as uh, maybe sublime as it some people might consider, but what if... The reality of catastrophic failure of your human body by, by obliteration and annihilation. What if collective human consciousness wasn't just a matter of sharing a collective memory or download or for an ability for us to be an individual point of contact? What if our genetic system was actually a backup code? What if our <laughs> genetics was part of a system that allowed us to rebuild <clears throat> as a backup and so the idea of reincarnation sounded really good when it's mystical and when your life is shit and you have 10% consciousness and you live 100 years or 50, depending on if you're lucky. But the reality is that what if we never died? What if the stories of Methuselah or Jared in the Bible, what if those legendary stories of people living a 1,000 years or indefinitely had nothing to do with other than the faintest memory that it was possible because our genetic, our genetic system – was set up to rebuild ourselves if something went wrong and we were catastrophically lost, or that, if that we is were brilliant,
0: able... man. <laughs> oh, been... The idea that we're <laughs> like 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 we're a backup that's being restored. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, that so basically, cool. we were all each
2: other's backups. <laughs> yeah, Our, could,
1: you, could you explain that more, Jared? I mean, with this DNA backup system. Yeah,
2: so we know that we can pass. Okay, so I used worms because it really happened, but we've all had a hunch that. You know, you can pass memories, actual memories, to a child, and we think we we have a term of for instincts. It's like, well, you know, that's over there is probably bad, or don't eat the bright fruit; uh, they'll probably kill you. Because you know, there's we we call we have a lot of instincts, or or creatures have instincts about what's good, what's bad, when to run, when when not, or when to play, and then in but but specifically, actual memories have been documented to be able to pass down. What if, in the world of collective consciousness, it would be very convenient if you had a society that, if you could back up every memory, every experience collectively, and then mathematically store it in an unlimited database like oh DNA, yeah, <laughs> then it would not be hard to regrow any individual human being and download not a reincarnated grasshopper human being who was bad in his last life, but actually reincarnate or regenerate yourself. And after tens of thousands of years of catastrophic failure and mystification of everything, suddenly it's mummification. Instead of having enough room in the ice house to keep everybody frozen until you could boot them back up, things got worse and worse and worse. And then eventually you have a system like mummification where it's now a religion And or you have cymatic shapes that have to do with, oh, ohm. But the symbol for ohm is the same as the cymatic shape for it. Uh, Why would our society understand frequencies and energies if we weren't already a society that could back up that physical? And I'm just providing examples of the nuances of the technology of how DNA consciousness could be transported into a new human being. And we've lost that technological transfer, you know, we don't understand how we don't know the mechanics of the machine or the system that we really do it, but we seem to be able to collectively or the idea of, of what we think of a seance, or we think of someone who has second sight or someone who can think of someone else's uh, just, you know, we have some woo woo that we put around the ability of downloading, but what if what you're really doing is downloading from, you're able to, un, some people may still have the conduit ability to, to unpack some of the stored memories, which are contain unlimited storage, by the way, in DNA. But it, uh, from what we've been able to discern technologically for everyone listening, is that in a gram of DNA, they've been able to figure out how to store, uh, I can't remember, it's uh, like was all it the world's terabytes? libraries or something. Yeah, it was like 100 terabytes and a gram of DNA. So how much could an elephant or a whale, what if the whole point of being a giant sperm or a blue whale was simply to store the incredible amounts of data that a society that's been living for tens of millions of years would now, have?
1: I know, I know scientists, uh, Jared, have changed their mind on, they said that the DNA that we have, 20% of it is what we're using. The other 80%, they called it junk DNA. I know. It is not junk DNA. Now they've changed their mind. about. I know. It. They, they've, been, they've been doing this DNA studies and they found just exactly what you said. We're a warehouse of information that passed down societies.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I think that there was ways for us to collectively, through having a soil, not just like ter- specifically terra preta, but I think that there were ways where whether we're walking barefoot on the earth, that the very way that we could collectively store and back each other up that we were each other's, uh, we basically were each other's backups. Mm -hmm. And we may not do it consciously now, and we may have scattered files where we may have done it in a more organized fashion, but the technology that I think is behind tree networks, fungal networks, bacterial networks into these engineered soils, into these engineered buildings that were frequency and energy intelligent, I think the kind of frequencies and energies that they're dealing with are subatomic, uh, quantum, uh, human consciousness. They've talked about the human cellular system and how it works uh, on nuclear cold fusion. We could do a whole thing about that. Mm-hmm. I've been able to interview uh, 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 Pollock. I've you know the the fourth phase of water, the fifth phase of water. I, uh, there there are so many. Uh, indications that we as a human society are more advanced and we are the remnants of a more advanced human society that goes hundreds of thousands or millions of years prior to these stories of Anunnaki apparently like slave driving aliens. It, it, the, just-
0: the, another thing, too, about the, the DNA thing that I find interesting, too, now is you know, like we're used to like this idea of modifying DNA like in a machine, you know, but now there's this whole new field of like what is it, like it's like endogenetics where people are modifying DNA with consciousness now. Like like they're able to 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 meditate on a DNA strand and unwind it and rewind it.
2: Well, Wim Hof, you know, you know, the, the Iceman, I, yeah. I got to meet him and train under him and what we're doing consciously with our ana- autonomic nervous system, uh, we, are, we are such a sliver ahead on understanding how all these functions work, but quantum entanglement and how we project our mind's eye to control these things, it, it looks like magic, it looks like religion, it looks like <laughs> aliens, it looks like anything, but it, it sure the hell cannot be human technology that we've forgotten.
1: Yeah. What about quantum uh, entanglement? Uh, you were getting close to talking about that. They have proven that you can take a, a little bit of DNA in one location, take go about 500 miles away and do something with that DNA. And the other one will react to it mm-hmm. DNA miles away. That's quantum entanglement. But uh, about, about the 80% of the junk DNA that's actually storage, my, my wife has a has a, a, a she has an answer for that she's i'm your backup <laughs> so, yeah well you
2: know don't you wonder all the times that people say couples have been together a long time start to look like each other what if part of what part of that is is a subconscious uh conclusion of what what used to be a conscious system
1: oh my god that means my wife's gonna be bald before long <laughs> <laughs> don't tell her <laughs> or you could grow your hair back yeah yeah how can i do that you might have an answer for that yeah hey well Uh, i'm not even i'm not even commenting on on this one (laughs) um really
2: this entire episode gary has come down to how you can grow back your hair
0: yeah
1: (laughs) what did the dumb monkeys get out of this hair growth. Yeah. (laughs) the dna manipulation of uh, hair growth that's what i need uh but no i i guess this thing it's a fascinating talk tonight i you know, I, I need to delve into the scientific part of it. I've been doing more of that to try to understand this, some yeah. of the experiences I've had and some of the things I've seen. Uh, are these are these E.T. critters? Are they are they real? Are they are they uh, you know, are they coming through portals? Are they traveling here from into in portals and, and coming in here and they're 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 doing, a, I guess, invisibility? You can't see them. And I know there's a thin line between us and the next dimension. They call it the thin veil, and they can walk through that. What do you yeah. got ideas about that, about interdimensional uh, beings that come through different portals?
2: I I think that one of the things that's been, this is not a politically correct answer. Here's what it is. I think that the human brain and this quantum network and, and our ability to manifest uh, not what we want to see but our the modalities in which we all understand uh are partially from what we've learned our our experiences how we've grown up and we have a definition we have a way to explain these uh phenomenon or or whatever it is, whether we chalk it up to religion or a paranormal event alien or or some other technology the reality is that uh we each come from a set of these predefined or you've developed them over time, but each of us have this background that allow us to look at a situation and we define it through those experiences and those ideas that we've already created. So how we explain what might look like magic or faith or religion to one person, maybe a technology and a science to another, or maybe just what we consider. Oh, well, but you know, it's a mystery or unexplained when in reality, if we collectively continue to not shut each other down and listen about what each of us feel was well, that's something from another dimension, or that's a that's an angel, that's a god thing, that's a oh, that's just a modality of you know fill in the blank. What's important is that we collect these stories and these experiences, but also apply them against the technologies, these ancient technologies that are here. That are also in our bio uh, uh, history. That are actually part of what we think are natural, and in reality, may be just ancient biotechnologies that we programmed into our ourselves, like synesthesia, second sight. Uh, you know, just things that we chalk up to you know <laughs> psycho psych abilities. So, it, it, in reality, how you define what you've seen. It, it may be perfectly reasonable for someone to say, "I've seen an alien, I've seen an angel, I've seen a ghost, I've seen a god, whatever it is." But whether you whether that's the actual event as it happened is is one question. the The reality is that we have to not shut each other down, make sure we get everyone's experiences and what really happened. Right.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, like it's all about the experience. The, the labels. Fuck all those labels, interdimensional, no. alien, angel, all that stuff. No, but you yeah. do, I do believe yeah. that people have these
1: experiences. Yeah, I like to yeah. get new newcomers on my show. The first ones who first come out with their stories that they've had of their experiences or events. I love getting new people on out in the open yeah. to, to tell people, say things are going on. We don't know exactly what. Uh, you know, there's not an exact science to this. Yeah. <laughs> But but we go back in back in history like Merlin the great you know the the magician way back when there was science I mean magic then which you were talking about uh, well how about Bigelow now you mentioned Goodall a while ago Bigelow was big in, in the he's back engineering uh, I guess uh, E T craft isn't he and he's part of this uh, Skinwalker Ranch thing too you have anything oh, on that to uh, you guys oh he
0: doesn't have st- for- Skinwalker Ranch is owned by somebody else now. Yes, by, that, by that real estate guy, you know. Um, here's my take on, on, on this. There is probably some type of energetic anomaly at Skin Rocker Ranch that is creating a portal. I believe the government has known about these portals probably for as long as there's been government. You know, I think that's why we have state parks and all these weird areas that the government owns and says it's for the public. But when you go there, you find out they're not really for the public, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So they know about these energetic anomalies and these ley lines and these portals. You. you know, it's, it, it, it's there.
1: And uh, <laughs> the government might have backed out to Bigelow from Skinwalker Ranch, and that's why he sold it. He went back to manufacturing aircraft and also back yeah. engineering. Uh, you know, spacecraft. But I don't uh, think
0: they care now. I think I think now they're at a point where they don't care if the general public knows.
1: That's why we know. Yeah, the men in black don't show up very much anymore. No.
2: <laughs> Gary, don't? this has been really awesome, but I'm gonna have to get going soon.
0: That's all right. We can wrap it up. I'm ready to go.
2: I really um, want to talk to
1: Dave again, though.
0: All right. Well, so, you really
1: want to talk to me. Okay. So, so
0: you guys just hang on for a moment. I want to thank you lo- both. I'd,
1: I'd, yeah. I'd, I loved what Jared and,
0: said. And I- um, actually, I'm just going to stop recording because I no longer have a website to promote. So uh, give me one second, and we'll just end the recording part of it. Stop, stop, stop. Recording stopped.